This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. My name is Shannon and I work at FilmWorks as the program coordinator and I am joined with Michelle. Kia ora everyone, I'm Michelle, um, I'm a social worker um, working as a social worker in uh, in schools, uh, also with FamilyWorks. Yeah, so FamilyWorks is an organisation here in Hastings where we have um, social workers in schools and generic social workers, we provide counselling, um, we have some awesome mahi, some awesome programmes like the Whakamanafano team that do um, the non-violence programmes and we work along with other organisations like Oranga um, Tamariki, Corrections and alongside the council and family court too. So we are here today to talk about Parenting Place and two of their awesome programs. So Parenting Place was first established in 1993 and it's a charity-based organisation that prides on enhancing the lives of families through their amazing parenting programs such as Building Awesome Whanau and um, Teenage Years. And it's one of New Zealand's largest organisations reaching over 500,000 families per year. Let's start off talking about um, building awesome far now, and, uh, and I think we all like to think that we've all got an awesome family, or how mm-hmm. easy it is to have an awesome family, but uh, or an awesome far now. But it doesn't necessarily come naturally, does it, to have a an awesome far now, Michelle? So, I mean, in a perfect world, tell us what would happen in a perfect world, and what really happens in real life. <laughs> oh, in a, in a perfect world, you know, families all um, get along with one yeah. another, and there's no there's no arguments or. You know, um, it's a nice, quiet household, and everyone is happy. And Where is that place? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really think um, it exists really in any household. Um, I think that's a beautiful thing about building awesome Fano. Um, it, it really is for anybody mm-hmm. and um, and any family um, at any you know stage of the parenting journey. Um, it is uh, specifically for um, parents with children from... Zero to ten. Zero to ten years, yeah. Um, and, yeah, as I say, you can be a parent on any at any stage of your parenting journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be, you know, sailing along quite nicely and not really um, having too many, you know, issues or worries at home. But, um, you know, if you were to come along to Building Awesome Whanau, you might just find some... Um, some amazing little gems, little mm-hmm. little strategies, tips that you may not have ever thought of um, that can just help you, you know, for in the future if you do hit some bumps along the road. Yeah, no, before we came yeah. to where we jokingly said we were going to talk about uh, making scones and whatnot, but <laughs> there must be some sort of recipe that you have that you um, give to your clients to come along, which is, you know, let's start off with this. You know, what, is, what is the most simple recipe for um, building an awesome bar now? Obviously, we come to you because we haven't got an awesome father, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of our, um, you know, our families, our parents do come to us because they are, you know, they are hitting some road bumps Mm. and they are having some, you know, problems, but you know, maybe some behaviour problems with Mm. their children that they're really struggling to manage. Um, So, building awesome Fano is a program. It runs over six sessions. Mm And it's really broken down um, using the analogy of a fari. Um, so we start off by building the foundations um, and really talking about, you know, what are the real, 
you know, you talk about a recipe, you know, mm. the real key ingredients yes. for, um, for parenting and, and, and healthy, healthy relationships, healthy families. And that's just broken down right down into, you know, love, um, self care, mm. relationships, um, communication. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we start off, you know, looking at the foundations and then we build up over the six weeks. Um, as I say, using the analogy of a fuddy building mm. the walls, putting the roof on, um, looking at different components of parenting and, um, yeah, whānau well-being. Yeah. Do you think a lot of us go into parenthood thinking, well, it's going to be so easy? It's not, is it? No, it's not easy. When when I was pregnant with my first, I was like, no, nah, I'm sweet as. Yeah. Because i got my family around me, and as soon as this little boy was born, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. No. Absolutely no idea. So actually before becoming the program coordinator, I was actually on Building Also Fun as mm. a parent. Mm-hmm. And I learned about the attachment and how you, when you build a strong attachment, that can lead you to, you know, a better relationship, that better communication mm. further on. And, yeah, 100%, definitely that attachment, that love, that aroha, that communication, yeah. What sort of mistakes do you think we make? As individuals, before we go into parenthood, you think because we do think it's going to be a bit of a breeze. It just comes natural to you that okay, we're going to we're going to get together with someone. We're going to have a family. Mm. What sort of thinking should we be doing before we even start having a family? I, think, I mean, it's not, yeah. we probably spend more time thinking about buying a car. Yeah, a lot of from what I've seen is parenting will come naturally. That maternal instinct will kick in. Mm. Not always. No. Some of us struggle along the way to find our footing where you know we belong as a parent as a mother as a father so that i've noticed is a big thing and you know asking for that help saying yeah, i am struggling mm. i do need some extra help because i don't know what i'm doing yes. yeah in the second part of the program we're going to talk about teenagers in particular but i found my experience with my own children and uh, with my grandchildren is that you've pretty much got them until they're 10 and, you know, because they want to hang out with you, they want to mm. do all the fun stuff. And then once they hit 10, I don't know, well, that's just in, in, in my family, but all of a sudden they, they tend to start growing away from you. And they don't want yeah. to necessarily hang out with you and, you know, you become a dumb old guy. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I think that's, um, you know, that is, you know, talked about within the course. We talked about, we do talk about sort of developmental stages mm-hmm. and, um, you know, children do go through a series of um of stages where they um, where they grow and they de- develop and they change mm. and, and they do you know around sort of ten years old they do hit that preteen yes. um, stage where where perhaps um, you know friends you know people outside of the home um, can become sometimes more important. Um, was that you? Was that you too as kids growing up? Was thing you got to ten? Oh, geez. The oldies. Yeah, I think as soon as I hit like ten or eleven, I was like, "This is embarrassing. Hang out with mum and dad. Can you not walk next to me?" <laughs> yeah. Like in a supermarket, like, "No, I don't want to come. Can I just hang out in the car?" Yes. Yeah. I found it to be almost hurtful in a way that you think, "Oh, I, I sort of felt a bit redundant or a bit yeah. useless that the kids yeah, didn't absolutely. know anymore." Yeah, yeah. I think I have already with my ten-year-old. Um, mm. doesn't want to give me a hug or a, mm. or a kiss outside the school, and I, I come away feeling, a, yeah. you know, a bit sad about that. But at the same stage, you know, I do realise that, um, you know, he's hitting that preteen stage, and yeah. um, things are changing for him. Mm. Now I know a lot of your programs are for children, but um, parents coming to you saying they feel that way. How do you best suggest to them that they cope with that? Because it, it's almost like a bit of grief, isn't it? Yeah, because it's, like, it's your baby's growing. Yeah. And they don't need you as much as they used to. So there is that grief process that parents can go through. Um, so we just really talk about, you know, like make sure that connection's still still close. So 
they may not want to give you a hug or kiss, mm. but if they're still talking to you about how their day went or if they've had problems, I still take that as a win. Yeah. Because they still rely on you for that communication, for that debrief. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a lot, of, a lot about what the program is about, is about going through those stages and, um, you know, keeping the connection going, keeping the love, you know, mm. the aroha and, and the whānau, um, making yourself available for your child, um, having that relationship and and building and man- maintaining that relationship so when they do get a bit older and become a bit more independent they they will always come back to you and they know you're there for them um and you've got that connection and and you're their safe place you know home is yeah, their safe space right. so they can feel confident to venture off but that they'll they'll always come home mm. and always come back to back to you it is refreshing in a sense to know that you're not alone because for, for a long time we thought it was just us and think, oh, we must be doing something wrong. But it, mm. it obviously is out there. It's just a, a general thing, is it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what I really love about in building Awesome Fano and these parenting programs is, you know, getting a whole bunch of parents together. Um, it's really powerful to realise that you're not alone. Mm. Um, yes. And a lot of other families are going through perhaps the same challenges, um, you know, have the same issues and worries about their, their family, their children, mm. um, and you're certainly not alone. Um, Is there a line in the sand where we should be worried about our kids if they aren't like that? Because you know, the kids have to grow, don't they? They have to they almost have to leave the nest in in a, in a, in a sense, in a sort of a mm. metaphorical sense that you don't want them sort of hanging around you all the time either. But you might want them to, but you, you shouldn't want them to, should you? Yeah, and I think that's that's sort of covered through the through the program. You mm. know, when we talk about attachment and um, you know stages um, of development mm. and when when to let your children sort of venture off a bit more and, and when to keep them close mm. Mm. and you know no two children are alike no. um, mm. you know we talk about a concept called the v of love where we look at um, your child um, not necessarily at their chronological age mm. but age but their age of development so you know for for a seven-year-old um for one seven-year-old it might be fine for them to perhaps scooter off to school on their own Mm. um but for someone else's seven-year-old they may not quite be at that level so Mm. it's about you know having that relationship and the you know attachment with your child and knowing your child um and knowing how much space and freedom to give them but also knowing when to also keep them close i suppose the big problem is there's no handbook is there no, definitely no handbook for parenting. <laughs> Are there specific ages where you should be cutting your kids some slack? I mean, you mentioned that uh, that age seven where someone might want to scooter to school, but some kids might not. Mm. Are there ages in development where you you, know, you should say to parents, you know, this should be happening you know, at seven years old, you shouldn't, or at eight years yeah. old or at nine years old? Does that happen with um, little kids or, or not? Or is it just um, take each one as it comes yeah, along? Yeah, I think ab- absolutely not. I don't think... Um I think parents are the experts, mm-hmm. and that's what we really um, like to reiterate on this course. Mm-hmm. You know, we aren't the experts. The no. parent is the expert on their child and, and their whānau. Um, so, yeah, as I say, we don't really look at the child in terms of their chronological age. It's where they are, you know, on their journey of their development mm-hmm. and what's going on in that in that family um, in terms of, you know, what a child should be doing in terms of milestones. Every child is different. Mm. Um, and I think there can be a lot of pressure sometimes on parents yes. um, that your child is, mm. you know, hitting those milestones and doing the yeah. same thing as everybody else when actually every child develops at different, you know, stages and um, 
uh, we don't want parents to be feeling like they need to be um, mm. feeling that pressure. No. Um, and again, this is a lovely thing about being in a group, as you will find um, a lot of parents sort of going through the same you know, stress and pressure, worrying about their children. Should yeah. they be doing this? Should they be doing that? Yeah. Um, Do you think we should be looking more within rather than looking outside? So, you know, my kids might not be um, uh, as, as advanced as what your kids might be. And then, you know, I start worrying about, well, you know, um, Michelle's kids are doing this, but you are not doing that. Why not? Is that a problem? That can be a problem because that's, that's the expectation. Well, their child's doing a lot better than mine. Mm. Whereas the fact like, well, no, your child's doing great what they're doing mm. at the moment. Yeah. Um, and we can be quite hard on ourselves as parents, mm. like what Michelle said, that expectation of, you know, our seven-year-old must, like, stop wetting the bed at seven. Yes. Some kids, some boys, boys take a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and that's something I've worked with my oldest is it took them a little bit longer than when my um, sister-in-law with her daughter. It's definitely that playing off against each other that can mm. cause quite a bit of trouble, and that's yes. something we're just, like, in the program don't worry about other people's kids and what yeah. they're doing. Just focus on you and your child. That's trouble because you blame yourself as a parent for your kid winning the bed, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Why do we do that? There's different things that can be reason why winning the bed. There can be medical. There can be um, trauma that may have been involved um, in the earlier ages. Mm. Um, something for my son I learned was there was a bit of trauma mm. when we when he was um, learning to go from nappies to undies, mm. and that's caused him to be a bit more, you know. Yeah. Nervous, scared, and causing the bedwetting further on. But there are a lot of things that we can do to support the children. So I've, I've, I've went to the hospital and got him the night alarm. Yes. And he hasn't wet the bed in months. But it's just being mindful of like what has happened earlier or what happened and, um, for their medical history and things like that. And just be like not too hard on the child because mm. they can still be a bit nervous, still a bit, you know, shameful that they do it when their friends don't. So not putting too much light on it, but you know. Yeah. Being mindful, yeah. That is a good example that you use, um, putting pressure on your little ones because they might wet the bed when they're five, six, or seven, or even eight, uh, or whatever, even later than that. Um, so how would you suggest to a parent that they deal with that? So what I do is I say ignore it when they do wet the bed. Mm-hmm. Don't make a big scene about it because that can put more pressure on. What I suggest is celebrate the moments when they haven't wet the bed. Yeah. Um, do the positive things. Um, praise them. Say, that's an awesome job. Let's try for another night. Mm. And when you get to the milestone of a week, really celebrate them because that is a big achievement for them. Yeah. And I think for me that's not that's not something I've ever had experience with or actually come across um, in my role either. But um, seeking support, um, yeah. you know, if you don't if you don't know, you know, looking to agencies, specialist services, mm. um, and and again coming to places like um, building awesome Fano, talking to other parents, yeah. making new connections, um, you know, you, and and not feeling as though you're the only one going yeah. through this. Like I say, you're not alone out there. Yeah, mm. yeah. You're back on Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is the Family Works program. My pleasure to have in the studio Shannon and Michelle from Family Works right here in Hastings. Just remind our listeners if you want to get hold of uh, your organisation for some help. How do we do that? So we've got a website, Family Works um, Hawke's Bay, and there's also our phone number. Which is available by looking yeah. <laughs> on, on your website, which is www.familyworks.com. Dot org, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah and right. also through the schools as well, because we've got quite a lot of Swissies in schools. Yes, we do. And uh, there's social workers in schools. Mm. Yes. Now, we're going to talk about teenagers, and, uh, you know, I've had my my pleasure. My, my, my family and uh, my girls are, well, they're not teenagers, they're 40. So I've been around, and I've got grandkids now who are becoming teenagers. And kids change when they become teenagers. 
Yes. Why is that? Um, definitely around the we, this, the brain, they they're growing, their their bodies developing like puberty, the aging stage. It's definitely the science of the brain. Mm-hmm. As soon as they hit that pinnacle, like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, yeah. And uh, well, and they're also they're young adults. They they are their own person, aren't they? That uh, they feel that you, they don't need you anymore. And again, that's a sort of a grieving process that, as a parent, you have to go through. That you, you, they don't need you anymore, except really to put food on the table and buy all the stuff that they want you to buy. Yeah. So our roles as parents do come down less yes. as they get more um, independent. Um, so they will rely on us a lot less, but still being there when they need us. Um, having that communication open. So what are some of the common issues that uh, people who are coming to you, what are some of the common issues that they're having with teenagers? That you think, oh, well, it's just growing up, but not necessarily, is it? Um, technology is a big thing in our mm-hmm. day and age, in mm-hmm. the 21st century. So because we've got um, things like Snapchat, Instagram, mm-hmm. um, Discord, YouTube, things like that. Te- technology is a big thing because it's smartphones, um there's gaming, gaming's a big issue, and then relationships and wanting to have boyfriend and girlfriends and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's like the big issues we're dealing with right now. Yeah. So as a parent, how do you deal with that? Because, you know, um, for instance, not that I've got any say in what goes on, but I look around my lounge when my daughters come around, and even my wife and my grandkids certainly, and I so- sometimes I have to say, hey, I am over here. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're all on there. Whatever you call them, yeah, and we we don't really have, you know, they'll answer a question if you ask them directly, but it does seem to be that they now live for technology. Is that a good thing? It can be, but it also can be a very bad thing. Um, if technology is used in the right way, say if it's for school for studies, that's all sweet. But when it's used for you know um, talking to strangers online, mm-hmm. grooming is a big thing out there, especially in games like Roblox, um, Minecraft, and how they can easily access like you know. They're young and they're very impressionable at the early ages of mm. 13, 14. And if they get that attention that they like, they'll gravitate towards it. So one thing for us with this technology is we talk about the boundaries. Yes. Setting the boundaries in place, having that talk with the teams together with your children and coming up with a plan together. So it's not like saying, mum and dad say you have to do this. Mm. It's a joint as a teamwork. Mm. Yeah. Is that a good thing, um, teamwork? Because when I was a kid growing up... Um there was no teamwork. What you did, what mum and dad said. Yeah, so more now, getting your teens, your children involved works a lot better mm-hmm. from um, what we've had from our clients when they come to the programs. That's the first thing that, oh, we did a whānau hui and we asked them, let's put some rules together for the house mm-hmm. and what's the rule that you want mm-hmm. and having them have their say. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Follow it more because they're the one that made that rule. Mm-hmm. They're the one that put that boundary in place. You find the problem with also with technology is that it becomes the kids become more insular that they're living their life in their bedroom on a mm. on a on a phone or on a tablet and they're not actually they're not having a, an interaction in the real world are they? No, yeah, and that's 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 a hard thing, hey, because mm. they just want to have that talk with their friends and online, and that comes back and with you know the boundaries and having consequences. So you might have a rule, say, when they come home from school, you let them wind down because they've had a long day, you've had a long day. Yeah. You don't want that um, that clash. Mm-hmm. But then be like, hey, um, let's have some family time and then later time you can go on technology for an hour or two hours. Yeah. Just having that you know, set time in place can be very helpful. So what's the typical family coming to see you um, with regard to your uh, teen program? Who is coming to see you? And what's the main reason that they're saying to you, we need help? Um, just 
I mean, the families we get, that it's all a wide range from ones like Michelle was talking about, just wanting new strategies, from ones that are really struggling. And the main thing is, is you know, the attitude, the puberty, the mm. um, technology, um, sex, porn and things mm. like that and how they can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's across the uh, socioeconomic barriers, is it... Um it's a representation right across the board? Right across the board, yeah. 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 There's no, like, say, from, you know, the lower to the high. It's all everyone. Mm. Yeah. How do you tell parents to react when kids are looking at that sort of stuff, which we didn't even know about until we were sort of 16 or 18? Or, yeah. Or, so we got this thing we called investigation versus interrogation. Mm. And something parents do that they don't say they interrogate. So they're like, why are you doing this? Who showed you this? Mm. How did you get this? Mm. Instead of like, oh, hey, um, I noticed that you saw this. Mm. Where did you get that from? So asking the questions to let them tell you where they got it from so they can speak their mm. truth instead of accusing them straight away. Mm. That's kind of what we like to teach them. Mm. Yeah. My 11-year-old granddaughter uh, came to me a few months ago, well, just in general, and said, oh, you get that on the black web or the dark web. I said, what? Yeah. How do they know the dark web exists? <laughs> yeah, it, it can be quite a scary thing once they've found it, but there's a lot of um, protective factors you can put in place. Mm. So one we say is with internet wi-fi mm. if they've got a bedtime at nine o'clock cut the internet off at 10 mm. so they don't have that um temptation to go on at one o'clock in the morning yeah how do you stop it them happens. yeah that's right yeah it happens yeah so just having that protective factor in place um but it's also the open communication yes having that open beam be like if they don't want to talk to you now just say hey that's sweet as when you're ready i'm here to listen mm-hmm. and when they don't thank them for that yes yeah you mentioned it a bit earlier, but, uh, you know, the, the, the final meeting where everyone sits around and says, okay, well, let, let's set the rules as a family. Mm. Does that work better, do you think, um, for teenagers or should we having a look at that also when they're little kids, Michelle? Yeah, I think if you can start doing that from a really young age, you know, involving your children in um, setting rules mm. and, and, and boundaries in the home, um, it will just become a normal part of, you know, mm. how your family functions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is really important to include children in, um, you know, decision-making, yes. um, allowing a bit of negotiation. Um, you know, if, if a child has a valid point around a rule, you know, perhaps having a bit of room to, to move, um, be flexible. Yes. Um, and then, you know, as your child gets older and, and, and is developing a, a mind of their own and, and that independence mm. You have that relationship with you, with them, so they know you, they can come to you, they can talk about things, you'll listen, mm. um, and, you know, they, they can trust that, um, you know, you'll be reasonable, you'll be flexible, and they can be a part of that, you yeah. know, conversation and that process. I suppose as an older person, I might think that my rules that I have at my place, for instance, I might think, yeah, but my rules are, they're quite reasonable, um, but have we changed so much? Because I'm probably two generations older than, and, uh, than what you are. So does it have changed, have things changed that much in that short space of time? I feel like it has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From when my parents are parenting me until now, mm-hmm. I'm parenting my 10 year old who thinks he's 13. Yes. Um, yes. Changing the rules, changing the boundaries, changing the consequences that suits this, this time and age. And what do your parents think of that? The way that you're parenting? They think I'm a bit more soft because I was very mm. much, if you don't do what I do, then that's it. You're out. <laughs> very <laughs> yeah. that Sergeant Major, please do as I say because yes. then everyone gets along. Whereas 
I did try a bit of that a couple of years ago and it mm. just wasn't working. No. So I've now found what their currency is yes. and it's technology. Have your parents moved with the times? So when you, when you get together as a whanau, do they, are you all pretty cruising and chilled out or do they, are they just going along with you because, well, what can they say, I suppose? Um, for, for my family, it's very much, oh, we never let you do that when you're younger no. or, oh, you never did that. Mm. So I found that my kids are more outgoing than I was. Yes. Um, That's a good thing, isn't it? Oh, very good. Absolutely. Because, yeah, definitely. Getting there, um, being out there, being having that resilience as well, because resilience is a big thing. Mm. Being able to step back up after a downfall as well. Yeah. Um, but now we just joke about, oh, you know, I can't believe I did that, and I can't believe you let me get away with it, or I can't believe that was my punishment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always a good chat. Yes, I think is. that's a good point to, to bring up just around parenting styles because that is something we look at quite in depth mm. um, throughout the um, both building awesome whānau and teenage years, um, helping parents to identify their parenting style. Mm. Um, it can be really insightful for parents to um, sort of look inward and yes. look at the way that we are communicating um, and setting those expectations and relating to our kids. Um, and I think there is a bit of a gulf um, with with generations. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, sort of 30, 40 years ago, there was a... Um, a lot of probably sergeant major major yeah. parenting, where we, which is what a term of which we use for quite um, authoritative parenting, mm. um, quite punitive. Mm. Um, I think things have changed, um, and we are trying to strike a nice balance between having those rules and expectations, um, but also giving the child some independence and some sort of say in, mm. in how um, the family sort of operates we've only got about a minute to go but i just wonder from from your point of view it must be very hard for you to organize a program using um because you really got to use a broad brush approach don't you but it's not as simple as that is it you can't just say this is going to fit all the families that come through this door how do you work out the individuality that you need so we do a lot of group work together Mm. now in the um in the programs and that's where a lot of the discussion and you know they actually figure out this is a solution comes mm. from is that group discussion but we do try like to tailor it to every parent's mm. need of what they're showing with we'll try to tailor that session to help them yeah but mm. yeah. we're out of time we could go on talking for hours <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't get the scone recipe either so <laughs> <laughs> next time maybe shannon michelle thanks for being with us and we'll talk to the same time same place next time awesome thank you so much thank you This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.